This is the Balancing Act by Security Compass, your guide to going fast while staying safe in today's digital world. On part six of Leaders in Product Security, Rohit Sethi, CEO at Security Compass, is joined by Kaja Ahmed, Senior VP of Product and Application Security at SAP. Over the last three decades, Kaja has worked on a variety of security technologies at every level of the stack. From crypto accelerator chips and hardware, to operating systems and applications from IaaS and PaaS to SaaS, he regards this as a great education in the domain of security. Working in senior and critical roles in SAP, Google, Amazon, and Microsoft has given Kaja exposure to diverse leadership styles and cultures that he enjoys debating the pros and cons of. All right, Kaja, well, welcome. Uh, thanks for joining us today. Pleased to have you here. Well, thank you very much, Rohit. This is a, a conversation I think I'll enjoy and I'm really looking forward to it. Sounds good. Well, why don't we start with uh, telling us a little bit about how you got into the field of product security? I guess more broadly in security, most of us, well, some of us start from the other side, right? which is we violate security, right? I'll age myself here, uh, but that's okay. Ages ago, I grew up in India and software was back then extremely expensive to buy on an Indian salary and income. So breaking software licenses was kind of just a thing we did, right? I mean, so, and there wasn't a license I couldn't break. And I didn't even think of that as security or anything. It was just, hey, I wanted that software and I couldn't afford to buy it. I'm, I'm talking about 89 88, uh, that, uh, that time frame, right? And, and of course, uh, in, in, in India, there was its own version of phone freaking. It was on pulse dial. And there was a way of tapping the bell at a certain frequency on locked phones and making international calls. So a variety of things like that. And I learned to break into all kinds of things. Um, that's how I got into the offensive side. So when I joined a security company and had to play the defense uh, side, I, I think the, that offensive training really taught me a lot. So that's kind of how I came into it. Yeah, the, the defensive side is a lot of work. <laughs> it is, and having played offense, I know how hard it is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what's your view on product security specifically? How does it differ and how is it similar to enterprise security? Uh, I'd say enterprise security, when, when people say enterprise security, most people are thinking about infrastructure security, which is firewalls and your authentication service and let's say Active Directory and load balancers and, and your web servers and operating systems and things like that. Whereas product security in a software company is the product you build, it's the applications you write. So a, a shorthand way of thinking about this from my perspective is code we write versus a code we buy, right? So, so it, it, as an example, here at SAP, we are building ERP systems and customer relationship management systems and traveling systems and so, so forth, right? I mean, so that's the code we write and it might run on AWS or, and then you have the load balancers and, and gateways and firewall systems that's code you buy, right? So that's the distinction is, is how I think about it. Infrastructure versus application development might be another way to think about it. And where should product security report to? Engineering, information security, or risk management, or to a different function? 
I think security does, at least in this day and age, especially in this day and age, needs to be its own distinct function reporting to the CEO. So, so in, in my case, I think I have a, a, exactly the right model, which is I report to the CEO, uh, sorry, the CISO, Tim McKnight, who reports to the CEO. So that gives me the latitude from the perspective of governance and setting standards and, and um, doing assessments on what the security state is independently. That said, product security is necessarily a distributed function. So the product teams themselves need deep security expertise. They really need to have people who, who deeply understand what it means to build resilient uh, and robust applications that can withstand attacks from you know, the most well-heeled and the best trained actors, state, state actors and organized crime and so forth. So um, in, in that way, let's think about product security as being two parts of it, that which is integrated into the product team. And that needs to be really very, very um, good and tightly bound to the product team and inside the product team and high quality um, security engineers. And then of course, the central function which sets the standards and um, let's say reports on the state of product security for management decisions. So the company can decide is our security posture what it should be or do we need to invest more and so forth. So it's a, a federated model as well as having the central organization. Correct, correct, yeah. Federated sometimes people interpret to mean completely distributed. And I do think that central function is super important. Right. The, 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 the uniformity in practices, especially in large companies, is crucial. Otherwise, the chances that every team does its own thing in a way that is difficult to assess and it makes it difficult to offer security guarantees to our customers becomes a problem. Right. Yeah. Okay. So you, you've had a rare experience of working at senior level positions for the three leading infrastructure as a service cloud providers, Amazon, Microsoft, and Google. Can you talk a bit about what you learned from these companies? You know, I'll say that was an amazing education and I got so lucky. I, 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 these are amazing companies to have worked for. And boy, what an education it was. So I've learned a ton. I could probably speak about that itself is probably a, podcast and an hour long conversation. But I can summarize a few things and I can extract a few things and, and we can think of it both as what did I learn from each of these companies and, and in some ways, what was the best part about each of these companies. Um, I guess working backwards from Google, I learned what truly good engineering at scale looks like. Google's ability to build uh, global scale, you know, planet scale services with extraordinarily good engineering, the kind of things that you read in theory about, right? Uh, very resilient, clean code, very secure. I mean, that, it, it, was, it was a joy uh, to watch that. And, and, and I encourage developers everywhere to read Building Secure um, Applications. It's a, it's a Google book. I may be watching the butchering the title here a bit and I can, I hope you will provide a link to your uh, listeners on this, but 
that's a fantastic book. I think every developer should read. So that was the best engineering I've seen uh, done anywhere. I'll say the thing I learned fr from Amazon is um, customer obsession and how to get things done lean and fast. There's no company that can beat Amazon when it comes to just getting things done. Um, yeah, and sometimes that can take a bit of a toll on your personal life and, and there is a, it's a double-edged sword and something to watch out for. But boy, uh, do they, uh, think about the industries they've uh, disrupted from book selling to retail in general, to cloud computing, to making movies and television. It's, it's just crazy. It's just crazy, right? I mean, uh, Alexa and uh, so forth. So getting things done um, and their principles, Amazon's uh, leadership principles are something that I still practice and um, teach. Right? So, and these are very different competencies and each uses its competencies in, in really good ways. I, I would say Amazon's really good at not just getting things done, but but getting things. Period. At least in this house, <laughs> we we use Amazon for for everything. You want something, and you can get it the next day. But anyway, bit of an aside. And, and that's the customer obsession part. Isn't yeah. it, it is an amazing experience yeah. from Amazon. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's just crazy, and yeah, yeah. I mean, boy, did they nail it! I, I have to say, I'm pretty pleased with how SAP does that as well. SAP's customer focus is also. Uh, really something to be proud of. So I'm happy about that because that really matters. Yeah. Um, Microsoft was an interesting thing. I guess the couple of lessons learned there is, let's say using your inheritance wisely, right? Microsoft had such a huge installed base through Windows and th their uh, office suite. It, it took them a while to parlay that into AWS, but they did. They, you know, they persisted. And, and I guess the second lesson from Microsoft is persistent. They, they kind of stayed, they initially lost the race to AWS, right? I mean, the whole cloud computing thing. I mean, I was there and I was in the server and tools business unit when that thing was happening. And it was a bit of a bummer to see AWS take the lead in cloud computing. But Microsoft stayed the course and look at where it is today, right? So, so persistence, especially if you're able to pour money into it for as long as Microsoft did and leveraging your um, installed base and, and you know, um, your other assets is, I think, a great lesson to be learned from Microsoft. Um, let, let's see what were the broader lessons. Um, the state of the art in certainly security, uh, cloud security, and potentially computer science in general is, is evolving and is born in some, some sense in these companies, right? And I don't mean just these three companies, Netflix and Facebook and Twitter. I, these, these companies are solving problems that others haven't yet understood they have, right? Because they're, they're sort of at the forefront of it and they have problems that you know, no one else even uh, has even thought about, right? And they're experiencing those problems and they have to solve that. Which, which it makes for a tremendous education if you do a tour of duty in any of these companies. And it also means that the rest of the industry is five to 10 years uh, behind because by the time they um, solve a problem, refine it, document it well enough to explain it to others and it either becomes a standard in a standards body or 
becomes some open source program, which then gets adopted in companies, you're talking between somewhere between five and 10 years. Five is optimistic, five, five is aggressive, right? I can tell you, um, although I probably can't tell you, some of the things that are being done in these companies, which I suspect at some point will be more broadly adopted, um, it's looking to them for um, a source of ideas and trying to adopt them quickly is one of the things that I think the market could benefit from. And the last point I'll make about these companies, especially my experience in Microsoft is culture of a company comes from the top. Uh, my story about Microsoft is that I joined Bill Gates company and I left Bomber's company. And the two were very different companies. The same roughly 100,000 people when I was there or whatever the number of employees were but it's amazing how much the style of the leadership can change your engineering priorities and down to trivial things like how meetings are conducted and how people behave with each other. I mean, even things like that are essentially shaped by strong leaders, right? And, and if, if you listen to Jeff Bezos or, or read about him and listen to him talk and listen, read his writings, you can pretty much tell what Amazon culture is. Right. You know, so so the culture, culture is a super important thing to get right. And really, um, the bulk of the burden falls on the person at the top and maybe the handful of that person's key lieutenants. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. So uh, you have quite the storied career, a lot of experience in security and, and, and product security across all these different companies. What advice would you give to a company that's getting started with product security? Oh boy, it would probably have to <clears throat> vary with the size of the company, but for large companies which have, um, let's say a rich and deep product portfolio, I would say the single most important thing is to try to get to a common tool chain and, and application development framework. It, it's very hard to get security right at scale. It's extremely hard. Um, and trying to do that, let's say if you have different product units doing different things in their own way, trying to get them all to do it right um, is extremely tough. So, so getting people onto a common tool chain, um, libraries, frameworks, shared set of services, um, deployment templates, and a hardened environment in which the, their applications and products can be deployed. That I would say needs to be your number one priority trying to figure out how to get everybody to do things securely in their own way is tough. In, for most people, it'll be infeasible. And, and um, the other thing I'll say is make sure that your security investment is commensurate with the criticality of the application that you're building. Be aware of the role that your application plays in your customer's business, right? I mean, it, it, you know, the, the example um, somewhat glibly that I use often is what you invest in protecting credit cards and what you invest in protecting nuclear codes is not gonna be the same thing. Nuclear launch codes is not gonna be the same thing. So be aware, credit cards are super important, 
but probably people's healthcare data is uh, more and perhaps their personal information and photographs and, and personal communication with their loved ones is you know, also uh, super important for businesses, um, financial transactions, acquisition plans, state of their finances. Th these things are uh, super important. So being aware of what your um, what assets your application is, is, is designed to protect is super important. One final thing I'll say about what should you do is you're not going to be able to do all the things you want to do. That's guaranteed. So what you're going to have to do is understand what are all the things you want to do, stack rank them and say, what are the most important things? It's kind of common sense, right? And just sort of focus on the things that are most important, but almost as importantly, be aware that those other things that you're not getting to will at some point become crucially important. Don't lock yourself out of options that prevent you from doing that. So think about your architecture and design and your deployment models in ways that position you to do these things um, when the need arises, because it will. That, that, that's a certainty. So that would be some rough advice. Good. Yeah, that's helpful. Anything else that you wanted to share with the, the listeners? Well, I guess depending on, again, on the, if you're in IT, in any role, a developer, sysadmin, network admin, even program manager, you're a security engineer. Know that. Right. right? The, the world we live in, security has become um, paramount, right? I mean, I don't know... Uh, if everyone who's listening has followed um, the whole solar winds episode, if you haven't, you should um, Google it and read up on it. That'll tell you how serious matters are. And everybody's job is security. You know, if you're in IT in any way, shape, or form, you are a security engineer, know that. The what I'd share by way of um, guidance to business leaders and you know senior executives is be willing and prepared to make very difficult trade-offs and sacrifices because you're going to need to deal with security sooner or later and you can either do it when the house is on fire or do it and position yourself to do it before the house catches fire because those embers are coming your way and and your house will catch fire and how well prepared you are will determine whether you still have a house at the end of that or not. And the third, let's say, stakeholder in this, if you're a customer, make your security demands explicit. Make no assumptions about what your um, vendor is doing security-wise. Make an effort to look into it satisfy yourself. I, I don't care if you have to use um, third-party auditors or something like that, but don't make assumptions. Make your requirements explicit. And it doesn't matter who the uh, vendor is. Obviously, the bigger, well-heeled, well-established vendors are going to be doing a better job because they've sort of been through the drill and they're already being audited by tons of customers. Uh, so, so this becomes much more important when you're dealing with 
smaller, less well-established uh, companies, but even with the large ones and with all vendors in uh, general, make sure you, you, your requirements and your demands for um, high levels of security or the appropriate levels of security are explicit. That's what Great I'm advice. Saying. Yeah, I, I think if the, the more people ask for it, the more it becomes a market-driven demand and not something that uh, people can choose as optional. So yeah. it's already the case for massive organizations, but it's not true for all, all software companies. So I think uh, the, the tide is turning there. That is true. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, Kaja, thank you so much. Very insightful, very storied career. So great to hear your insights and thank you very much. Thanks a bunch, Roy. I really enjoyed the conversation. It was fun for me. Thank you. Sounds good. Want to learn about what Security Compass has to offer? Check out securitycompass.com slash demo for a free demo today. Want more of the Balancing Act? Be sure to subscribe to our channel wherever you listen to podcasts for more episodes.